0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports.
1: 1-1 pitch, fastball and all the way to the corner. Get up, Bob! Get up! Get
0: out of here! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league.
1: Where fantasy becomes reality.
0: Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It is
2: Thursday. It is March 12th. What's going on? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. We have been getting your Podcast League submissions. I'm going to tear through them this weekend if you want to join the Podcast League, which we still don't have a date for. Let's see. Today's the 12th, the 19th. Let's do it on March 22nd, guys. What do you think? Sure. That is a... What is that? A a Wednesday? It's a Sunday. Oh, then no. Let's not do it then. Let's do it on uh, Monday night, the 23rd.
0: The 23rd. Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Let me check. Let me check my Palm Pilot here. I think that's okay.
2: (laughs) Okay. March 23rd is going to be the date for the Podcast League at 8 p.m. Eastern. So uh, please submit your entries. Be creative. Give us a fun recording or just anything you want. A poem or I love your show. You guys are great. And I will pick uh, some winners. So you've got a little bit of time to get those in. Send an email to at cbsi.com with the subject line Podcast League. Today on the show, we're going to read an email about what to do if you think that pitching is just going to go super duper early in your leagues and you're debating between an elite hitter and not missing out on a pitching run. We're going to talk about some of the injuries. I want to talk about the head-to-head categories league. i I only briefly because Chris and Scott talked extensively about it, but I just want to add some more points on head-to-head categories, the Yahoo format with daily transactions. Um, players we continue to draft, spring training storylines, Danny Jansen's continuing to have a good spring, and Chris uh, has written a piece about players at each position that could become elite. So we'll talk about that, and we'll try to read some of your emails. I think we have to start the show, though, with the coronavirus in light of what the NBA has done and what the Mariners have already said. They're not going to play any home games in the month of March. And they have, like, seven of them scheduled. So people want to know what what we think right now and uh we don't know I I wouldn't be surprised if the season got postponed in some fashion but Scott, what's your take on this?
0: Yeah, I have no idea I think I think it's probably a little easier for the NBA to postpone things for a while just the, given the where they are in their season than it would be for MLB. Wrapping up spring training and all the prep that goes into that. Um, But they're like, at the very least, they're going to have to find different locations. I know for the the teams that play in California, uh, I don't know if they just stay in their spring training sites. I know that's been brought up as a possibility, but this is, I'm sure by the time people are listening to this podcast, there will be more information because this, this is fast moving. uh, The developments here in the sports world.
2: Right, one thought I had was like from a fantasy perspective, if you want to get into that, and I think people do uh, players who are injured, I think they probably have a better outlook now because i I just can't see the season going on uninterrupted personally, but I it could happen I mean they could play games in empty stadiums, I suppose, but I I mean I just feel like
1: it's it's there's so gonna be a post it's so hard to say right now. Like we're we're just we just don't know. Right. Um Total but no I, I agree with you Adam. I, I think it's more likely than not that the season gets postponed. And that's gonna cause all kinds of uh, you know, all, all kinds of headaches, but you know, in in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty small concern. Sure, of course, of course. And
2: and let me just say quick little PSA from your friend, Adam Azer here. I'm not going to tell you to wash your hands or anything like that about the virus, but I do live in the, I live in Westchester County and new Rochelle is a half hour from me and they have that containment area. And I think Westchester County is the single County most affected right now, or with the most cases it's worse in Seattle with what's happened there. But I just want everybody to be prepared Because I'm sort of seeing what happens in a town that there are issues in, or in a county anyway, and the shelves are emptying up at the grocery store, and Walgreens didn't have any toilet paper or paper towels, so I had to go to a different store for that, and get your medicine, and that's all I'm gonna, gonna, like, I'm not not gonna give you any diagnosis, uh, like, what's gonna happen with the virus or anything, I'm just saying, people are going to react strongly, and you don't wanna be the last one to do it, so... Uh, please be prepared and just stock up on supplies while at the same time not hoarding it from everybody else. Uh, so um, but you know, just just my two cents. Alright, email of the day comes from Grant in Long Island. He says, Dear Daniel, HW and Eli. Who is that uh Eli my boy? Is that there will be blood?
0: Yes, there yes it is. I if you drink hadn't said that, I've Your milkshake,
2: have of it. Scott White
0: yeah, oh. HW is a, is an interesting. I always thought that was if you're going to resort to calling somebody by initials, I thought that that was HW. I never heard that before.
1: Okay, so there will be real quick. There will be blood or no country for old men. No country for old men.
0: No country for
1: old men. I, no I, content. Yes. All in agreement. Yes. No country for old men might be the best movie ever made.
2: <laughs> it's so good, and I really did not like there will be blood. So oh, God, Adam, it was it was just like a. Oh, here's Daniel Day-Lewis doing a one-man show. It was not a good movie. It was just good acting. Okay. I have the fourth pick. (laughs) Shut up, Chris. In my 12-team points league. Fourth pick in a points league. Usually in my league, pitching goes early to begin with. So with how pitching is prioritized now, I'm nervous about which pitchers will be available at 21 overall. Should I grab Cole or DeGrom at four or wait and hope to get a guy like Corbin or Castillo as my first pitcher?
1: I mean, I know Scott and I are both okay with Corbin as our number one because I think we've done it in very recent drafts, but you know, you're you're gonna have worse pitching if you do that versus taking the Grom uh, or Cole, so it's just a question of in this instance, I think the hitting like these are the truly elite hitters available at number three this isn't like there is that kind of flattening of the hitter tiers, but those guys available at the top, Yelich, Trout, uh, the other three, Bellinger, Betts, and Acuna.
0: Not that, not that. like, I'd probably put Bregman ahead of Acuna in a points league,
1: but sure. yeah. But either way, in this scenario, you're going to have your choice of Trout, Yelich, Betts, or Bellinger. And I would think in a points league, it's probably Trout, Yelich, and Betts, for me at least. Those guys should be so much better than everyone else. And you can throw Bregman in there and a couple other guys, but that it, I think it is worth going with the hitter and taking the Corbin. It,
0: it is what I would do. Um, there's almost a temptation if you take like a Garrett Cole to go one less arm. I feel like to make up for that passed up hitter pick, and I'd rather have the extra high and arm than necessarily the best one. But I don't think it'd be wrong to take Cole. I do think it'd be kind of wrong to take DeGrom at fourth overall. Cole already goes. Um, I would only consider Cole, but I probably would go with the hitter.
2: I have the fourth pick in a points league in a draft that we're doing right now. Now it's a 14-team league, but I took Mookie Betts, and then in the second round I took Patrick Corbin, and then in the third round I took Charlie Morton. So, um, and then in the fourth round, I took Chris Bryant. This is a 14 team league, but I'm very happy with that start. And, uh, I agree with them. I, I do want to bring up, I agree with Scott and Chris, you know, you take that hitter. I do want to bring up something like Mookie Betts, because I've, I've found on the clock in a roto league, I think I really want a top three pick. And in a points league, I kind of want a top two pick between Trout and Yelich. I, am I being crazy? Like Bellinger. I like him a lot, but he's played three seasons. He had a great rookie season. It was a huge disappointment as a sophomore. He had an, ama- he had an amazing third year. But, you know, we-, we all know the batting average wasn't that great after, like, mid-May. And then Betts, I am a little worried about him going to the Dodgers. I and mean, we haven't talked about this really since the trade, we just kind of, you know, approached him as-, as Mookie Betts. But let's be clear, like, Betts, two of his last, what, three seasons? Two of his last four seasons have been, like, kind of disappointing didn't really run much last year won't probably won't get the same amount of plate appearance as they did just because while the dodgers may have the best lineup in the national league they won't have as good of a lineup as the red Sox have had in the past um i'm not i'm not unconcerned about lukey Betts, and, and he i think he benefits from fenway park so you know i it felt like damn i really wish i had trout or yelich uh not like, I, oh, Bel- be- be- Betts is in the same tier. I think he's in a tier just slightly below those guys.
0: Yeah, I would agree. that the Bellinger and Betts are a half step back from the top three, if you're talking a Roto League, or top two, Yeah. if you're talking a points league, excluding Acuna.
1: Right. Uh, so, all of that makes sense, but it should be noted that over the last three years, Mookie Betts has scored the most points among all hitters. He's averaging 607 fantasy points over the last three seasons. Christian Yelich is averaging 576 as the number two player.
2: That's that's, doesn't, that doesn't matter.
1: That's not in season...
2: It, 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 it doesn't matter. What about the last two seasons, Yeah, Yelich Chris? has been
1: better, and Yelich got hurt last year.
2: The last two seasons, Yelich has been much
1: better. <laughs> not getting hurt is a pretty important skill. And like
2: It is, but that's not part of Yelich's history.
1: Mookie Betts has had a disappointing season. Where he was the number four hitter in points leagues last year.
2: Yeah, I just I do think that there's a downgrade going to the Dodgers. That that's like if he were on the Red Sox, I'd probably be completely fine with it. Do you agree with that?
1: He had a disappointing twenty seventeen when he was the number four hitter.
2: Do you agree with that?
1: I think you can downgrade him a little bit from what you should have expected with the Red Sox, but last year isn't necessarily what I would expect from him.
2: He was not the number four hitter last year. I have him as the number seven hitter last year.
0: You are saying in 2017. Four outfielder, sorry.
2: Oh, number four outfielder, number seven hitter in points leagues last year. He was the number 13 hitter in Roto Leagues. In 2017, he was the number 10 hitter in points leagues and the number 17 hitter in Roto Leagues. So that's two of the last three years where he's been either the number seven or the number 10 hitter in points leagues. It's excellent, but... It's, it's not third. It's not fourth. And now, of course, in 2018, he was the best hitter. in was number two in points.
1: So, number one Roto. One of the biggest underperformers by Xwoba woba in baseball last year. All
2: right. All right. Let's move on. Get to our next topic here. Oh, the promotions. Those are easy. Newsletters. cbsports.com slash newsletters. There is a Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. It's awesome. Chris, you you manage that thing? Is that your oh, puppy? Yeah. Dude. Oh, yeah. He crushes it, man. I have a great Chris Towers story coming up, by the way. Great. Like, not that great, but I'm going to make it out to be better than it was.
1: No idea what you could be referring to.
2: CBSSports.com newsletters. Join the podcast league. You know that. Join the Facebook group. Scott White did a little Q&A in the Facebook group last night. How'd that go, Scott?
0: Uh, Fine. Good. Good questions. Yeah. it's a Good group. Good. Good, good conversations.
2: The link is in the description, or you can go to Facebook.com. Just search for Fantasy Baseball Today, or go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Fantasy Baseball Today. And Chris, would you like to tell us about the Draft Kit?
1: Yeah, the Fantasy Baseball Today Draft Kit. It's uh, available on CBSSports.com slash Draft Kit, and it's got sleepers, breakouts, and busts from Scott and I. It's got positional tiers from Scott, Scott's Top 300, and auction values for Roto and head-to-head leagues. it has got a multi-position cheat sheet and all of that available for free. You just have to sign up, put your email address in at cbssports.com slash draft kit, and we'll send it right into your inbox, download it, print it. Uh It's like having Scott and Chris in your draft room with you. That's said, how I'm trying to sell it. That, <laughs> that's my one-liner.
2: If you, uh, when you said cbsports.com slash draftkit like for a half a second, I was thinking, like, is that one word or two words? Then I was like, wait a second, it's a URL. Don't ask that question. Don't say that out loud. Uh,
0: did you? And you, and you did.
2: And I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends with every all the listeners. We're all friends.
0: You know, we call can... friends here,
2: right? Uh, Max Scherzer is a side issue. Did you guys cover that yesterday?
1: We did not.
2: Yeah, so he's got like a his sides not as strong as the rest of his body or something like that. What's going on there, Chris Towers, Doctor Towers? So he uh,
1: he apparently changed his his uh, mechanics a little bit this off in response to the back issues that derailed his season in 2019, and now he is dealing with some side discomfort. And he he I believe he said that this is something that he has dealt with in the past in spring training, it's not necessarily a big deal, but you know, 36 year old starting pitcher coming off a season with injuries, changed his mechanics, dealing with soreness as a result of that change in mechanics. Your your alarm bells have to be going off, at least to some extent, right? Like this is the, that that's certainly a red flag, if nothing else. I'm not saying you should necessarily drop him in your rankings, but uh it's not what you want to see, as the kids say.
2: No, it's not. So he had a it was a back or a hip
0: issue last back year. Back and neck.
2: Back and neck. He yeah, said both, both
0: of those popped up.
2: He said Scherzer. We're talking about here. He said that it was caused by mechanics, not overuse, which I guess had been asked a lot. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Max Scherzer has some mechanics issues. Scott, are you are you downgrading Scherzer at all with this recent
0: news? No, though I've I had been nervous about drafting Scherzer. He was the one of the big four. Now, obviously, Justin Verlander has dropped behind him. That I was most concerned about drafting, and I haven't I haven't had an occasion to draft him yet. Fortunately, I, I'm, I'm I'm curious now if if Cole and Degrom go. Early mid first round, and I have one of those late first round picks. Do I pass up a pitcher twice if Scherzer's there and just trust in whoever's left at me at the end, le- left for me at the end of round three? I mean, I'd obviously have to go pitcher pitcher at that point.
2: I would be worried about your mental health, I think, if you did that.
0: <laughs> I mean, there are some pre- really good hitters available early yeah. in round two, and of course, late in round one. I, I think I think that might be, I'm not going to say the only scenario, but one of the few scenarios now, uh, Colin DeGrom being already gone, that I'd go hitter-hitter at the start of a draft, but then it would be like heavy on the pitching thereafter.
2: I think it might be hard to pass up a guy like Nolan Arenado, who is basically as safe as they come, unless he gets traded uh, for Max Scherzer at this point, you know, and and they're often going very, very close to each other in drafts. So, all right, you're on the clock. You got Scherzer and you got uh, Matt, uh, what's his name? one Arenado. Uh, who are you taking?
0: Uh-oh, so, we round three at this point. I'm probably no, taking.
2: Scherzer or Arenado? Or in round two. Best
0: pitcher available. That's the thing. If I give it to no, Scott. Take Scherzer, Scott,
2: or... Scott, I'm sorry. You're choosing between Scherzer and Arenado. Oh. Who are
0: you taking? Uh, yeah, Arenado is what I was saying. Yeah. Okay,
2: okay. Chris? Arenado? Scherzer? Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Paranata. Okay.
0: Johnny Cueto
2: will start the season opener for the Giants. Is it too much of a stretch to read that sentence and go, wow, the
0: Giants
1: are terrible? Well, who else <laughs> would it be? Name another Giants pitcher.
0: Oh. Logan Webb. Barry Zeno? be him. Uh, Jeff Samarja had a pretty oh, that's good year. Samarja, yes. Not that he's good. Yeah, no, I mean, Quato makes sense, but... No, the Giants aren't good at him. What's this? Is is, uh, I didn't need to know their opening day starter to know that.
2: Is he a top 300 player, Johnny Cueto?
0: I don't believe he is. For me, now there would be some who call him a sleeper, and I don't know that they're necessarily wrong. I mean, he has a very steady track record, and normally we we don't discount pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery too much. He is 94 and was showing some signs of decline before then. How? ninety four? He's 34 (laughs) and was showing signs of decline before then. He's not 94. That would be amazing.
2: (laughs) Wow. looks great.
1: Yeah, he's (laughs) in good shape. Best shape of his life. That that butt waggle looks great for a 94-year-old.
2: Would you draft Johnny Cueto over any of the Marlins Stallions?
0: (laughs)
1: Um, no, probably not. Maybe Yamamoto.
0: I didn't even know he was a stallion. I was trying to remember who the stallions were. Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez. Trevor Rogers is gone.
2: Alcantara. Uh,
0: yeah, I would definitely draft him over Yamamoto. I would draft him probably over whoever their number four is. Let me pull up the depth chart.
2: What, well, Sandy Alcantara, no? Isn't he the number three?
0: Yeah, okay, so Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez I would take ahead of Johnny okay. Cueto, but no other Marlins pitchers.
2: All right, I'm bored with this conversation. Let's let's move on. News and notes I hate. So, Carlos Carrasco does not have structural damage, but he is unlikely to be ready for opening day. What is the latest here on Carrasco and when you feel like he should be drafted?
0: Uh, I I don't really think i am going to change him. He was already pretty low among that group of pitchers for me, which has now been reduced to 33.
1: Uh, 32 now. No,
0: I would still keep him among them, I'm saying, because I I think it's just a that he he needs to rest for a little so it pushes back the timetable. I don't think he's a long-term resting situation like with Verlander or Sale.
2: Is Carrasco still your number 1 relief pitcher in points leagues? Yeah. Okay. Michael Conforto says he feels good. He's optimistic. Paul Goldschmidt's going to miss some games with elbow soreness. This is this a big red flag for you guys, Goldschmidt? Elbow soreness.
1: It's a minor red flag. Yeah. And
0: another reason not to want him.
2: Yadier Molina and the Cardinals are working on a contract extension, according to the Athletic. Which is if- interesting, because you know I thought maybe it would be his last year, and maybe they would just continue to play him nine out of every ten games. That's not an exaggeration. And that makes him a starter in points leagues. Do you think this at this in any way, if they're working on an extension with Yadier Molina, reduces his playing time?
1: It's Uh, impossible to say. Maybe. Just try. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes or no? Okay.
2: Well, it's something to keep an eye on. Like, if you draft Molina, if you're if you're waiting and waiting on catcher in a points league and you take molina and he's like the last pick of the draft basically because nobody wants him you i mean you might be just fine with that he's he's good yeah. because he plays all the time uh if that is not happening then you might have to you know jump ship
1: going back to conforto we talked about that it's an oblique injury right
2: i don't know what you guys said yesterday but
0: it's
1: yeah it i don't was... think we talked about it yesterday so yeah he's dealing with an oblique injury that's uh Certainly a concern. You know, we've seen oblique injuries linger for hitters. I I wasn't a huge fan of drafting Michael Conforta this year anyway, but I think you do have to drop him in your rankings now. It's a grade one one. A grade one grade strain. One, one. You know what, so Chris? We talked about it on lining.
2: Tuesday when you weren't on the show, I believe. Or mm. Whenever you were. I don't know. We, we did talk about it. Yadier uh, Molina was the number 10 catcher in points leagues last year, and that was only in 113 games. And he was the number three catcher in points leagues in 2018. He was also number two in Roto that year. Alrighty. Um, I want to get back to that head-to-head categories draft. Quick thoughts. First of all, great Chris Towers moment. Chris mentioned that he missed the start of the draft uh, and got auto-picked, and then Scott gave him Acuna. Yeah. So Chris comes running into the draft room, <laughs> <laughs> And he types in the chat, hold on, I'll see if I can bring it up, like all caps, like, sorry, 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 I was getting lunch. Sorry, 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 I was having lunch, I'm sorry. Uh, In the meantime, I just referenced that other draft, that 14 team points league I'm doing. Yeah. And Chris is in that league, and I'm in that league, and in the chat room, Chris, in an untimed draft, by the way, we have three (laughs) hours on the clock in between picks. And And I was not on the clock. You were not on the clock. Chris says... Sorry, 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 I was having lunch, I'm sorry. And then he wrote, Wrong League
1: <laughs> I uh I, I, I went into the editorial league first because I was in a panic.
0: So I couldn't find you. I didn't know where Chris was. I texted you, I G chatted you. He was in the I wrong were league. He nowhere to be found, you were eating lunch.
1: I'm having a, a turkey bird.
0: Oh wasn't even a good lunch. All right.
1: So <laughs>
2: in this weekly head-to-head categories league with daily transactions, so weekly matchups but daily roster moves, I like having foreclosers. I don't necessarily have to draft foreclosers. I did in this draft. Uh, I took four starting pitchers very early and loaded up with some good relievers. I actually really liked my team. And I wanted to talk about this not because I want to hog the spotlight here but because I think I like this format more than you guys do. I like the way Yahoo does it where you have to start at least two starting pitchers. Um, and I like the way my league does it where we have a limit of seven transactions per week and something like 80 per for the year. So you really can't make that many transactions. You can't just pick up pitchers and stream them. You have to, you know, you have to guard your transactions a little bit. And we have an innings limit. I think, what was the innings limit in this one, Scott? 25 or something?
0: Uh, not a limit. It's a minimum of minimum, 25. Sorry. Yeah, minimum. So that you can't just only start relievers.
2: Whereas I hate the Wild Wild West uh, format, I do like this format a lot. So, and I usually do fairly well. I didn't last year, but I typically do in, in this league that I'm referring to. So, anyway, I drafted Morton, Paddock, Barrios and Clevenger, not in that order, and I have a lot of saves, and that's the way I like to do it. Uh, if you are trying to stream pitchers, just be aware the waiver wire might be pretty bad so it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not as easy as you think. Adding a category makes steals worth punting. I want to talk about that. If it's if you go from five by five to six by six, you can punt steals. It's I think easier to do that guys in a weekly league. Rather than a season-long roto league, because you're not getting a full zero for the season, you're not getting going in last place and getting only one point. You know that that could be a killer. You could you could lose like that. Um, but in a six-by-six six league where steals are only one category, and it's not like punting saves where you punt saves well, now like your ERA and your WHIP could be hurt. Steals is just an independent category. So I, we do get asked that a lot. Can I punt steals in six-by-six? Six? I think the answer is definitively yes. Uh, this league, Scott, had an extra utility spot, as you know, as the Yahoo format typically does. And you did touch on that. You said it makes it easier to draft a guy like Chris Davis, Jordan Alvarez, and Nelson Cruz. I also think it makes it easier to draft outfielders early. You don't have to worry about filling up outfield so quickly or third base or whatever. That extra utility spot made a huge difference for me when I was drafting. And I want to know your, your thoughts on that. I think, I think like, it helps you know, not having to worry about filling up your outfield too early in particular.
0: I, it, it wasn't a consideration for me, but I see your point. I don't disagree with it. Uh, I didn't think about it until it happened. I think there was a point where I was debating an outfielder versus an infielder and ended up going with the infielder. I don't remember when that was, but it, if anything, I didn't consider it. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Both my, both of my utility spots are actually filled by an outfielder.
2: Oh, there you go. Um, Two more points. Your bench, I think in this format, remember, daily transactions, your bench should be more pitchers than hitters. Uh, Usually I have one or two hitters on the bench, and the rest I'm just streaming pitchers or streaming relievers. Like there are times when I'm just hoarding the closers, and I might have five or six of them, or I might have a Seth Lugo or one of those, a Drew Pomerantz, high-end reliever, and you throw your starting pitchers out there on their days that they start, and when they don't start, you you go with your relievers and you load your lineup up. Um, And then balance your categories, I drafted Edwin Encarnacion, Miguel Sano, and Chris Davis. Those are three guys who could hit 240 to 250, but also hit 40 home runs. And I can't draft them unless I have good batting average guys. I have Mookie Betts, Michael Brantley, and David Dahl. Because I had Brantley and Dahl and Betts at that point, I was able to grab Encarnacion and take a late pick on Chris Davis. So keep your your categories balanced. You cannot load up on category killers in this format. There aren't enough bats like Malik Smith. I, did you touch on this? I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't, I did only listen about half of your categories.
0: Uh, I didn't give specific examples, but yeah, the idea that with fewer hitter spots available to you going for a total category specialist, like a Malik Smith does even more damage in the other categories. There's less opportunities to mitigate the damage they're done by a specialist like that. All right,
2: so that's my point. Thank you for listening, and that concludes my discussion of head-to-head categories leagues. Players, we keep on drafting. Scott White, you've done a lot of mock drafts. You've done a lot of real drafts. Who ends up on your teams often, and and why? Mark Canna.
0: No. (laughs) No. Get the quota out of the way there. All right, Uh, Mark Canna, J.D. Davis. Canna. J.D. Davis, and especially Gio Rochelle. I think Gio Rochelle is the single player I've drafted more than any others. Those are those are sleeper picks I'm actually ending up with often. They seem to be ones I'm genuinely higher on than everybody else. I have a lot of other players that I'd like to draft a lot, but it just hasn't happened. I don't have a single share of Max Freed yet, for instance. Um, but uh, let me think here. James, Josh James I've been getting a lot. Alex Wood I've been getting a lot. Think earlier. Or were we just talking about yeah. sleepers or were we no. talking about to- players no. in general? Um,
2: like for me, Charlie Morton was the first name that came to mind. I, okay. I seem to be higher on Morton than everybody else's. is. Uh, so, yeah, it could be anyone. If you want some time to think, I'll throw it over to Chris. Lucas
0: Giolito. Yeah, you do take him a lot. I <laughs> just, I, I don't feel like I'm especially high on him. I feel like that's just... I guess maybe I'm a couple spots higher than the consensus, and it just so happens that I'm always taking a pitcher at that point. So it ends up being Lucas Giolito. Clearly, I'm not afraid of him. No. Uh, Mitch Garver.
2: Okay. Giolito, Garver.
0: When he's the fifth catcher off the board, um, you know, sometimes somebody jumps in and takes him as the third or fourth catcher, and then obviously I don't get him. But when he's the fifth catcher, I usually end up taking him. Marcus Simeon. DJ LeMayhew, Josh Bell, those breakouts that people are kind of skeptical of, I find myself taking advantage of a lot. Although not Jorge Soler. That hasn't happened much. Why I'd not? like to, but people it hasn't. And are happened taking
2: him much. before you're ready to take him?
0: I think. I think what ends up happening is I always prioritize Marcus Simeon or Josh Bell over him if they're there, and then he goes right after before I have a chance to pick again. I think okay. that's I think that's how it's playing out.
1: Chris, how about you? Who do you keep drafting? Uh, at the high end, I've got a lot of Freddie Freeman. I've got a lot of Patrick Corbin. Uh, I've got a lot of you Noah know, Syndergaard. And then a little later, Giancarlo Stanton, obviously. Uh, I've drafted a lot of Kyle Tucker lately uh Josh yeah, got
0: a surprising right. amount of him too. So yeah,
1: me know. too actually.
2: Me too. I think you know, especially if you're looking for
0: steals late and
2: you're hoping.
1: You know, that can't be true. All three of us. We do most of our drafts together. We <laughs> can't.
0: Happen. I know I know I have him in Talent Wars and I have him in TGFBI. So both of the
1: Actually, did I get him in Tout Wars? I think I
0: did.
2: And I have him in the Memorial Magazine Roto League and one of the mocks we did last week. So Yeah, yeah. he um Kyle Tucker.
1: Tucker may not play every day to start, but Josh Reddick has had an awful spring, so it's possible. And if you look at what Kyle Tucker's done at AAA, it's not that different than mm-hmm. what Luis Robert did last year. I feel like I asked on Twitter whether people think Luis Robert or Kyle Tucker has more upside, and pretty much unanimously it was Luis Robert. But, but I, yeah, that's I, largely the result of Kyle Tucker having a little bit of prospect fatigue. He's like eight months older than Luis Robert. He's been at AAA for two years. He's averaged 30 homers and 30 steals per 150 games. Like, he could be a first-round pick this time next year, and people aren't really talking about him that way. Uh I've also got a lot of Luke Voigt, Mitch Keller, Jordan Montgomery. Um find myself taking Alex Verdugo in the reserve rounds a lot. I know he's currently not swinging a bat and hasn't since last August, which is a bad sign, but... If I can stash him on my IL, uh, I still believe he's going to be a very good player once he's on the field.
2: Okay. Some good names there. Yeah, I, G, Scott's Giolito is my Charlie Borden. I just I just love him. I mean, I think he was a top eight pitcher last year. Actually, seventh in both formats. Had his best season. He is 36, but I don't know that he's going to pitch super deep into games, but they have a really good bullpen, the Rays, and they're going to win a lot. So he had 16 wins last year, I think, as long as Borden stays healthy, I think he'll get to that number again. I'm getting Miguel Sano a lot, and I think it's because like there are probably three breakouts that I want the most or breakout candidates, and they are Vladimir Guerrero, Keston Hira, and Miguel Sano. And obviously, Sano goes a lot later than. Yeah, I, I no, think whenever
0: Sano. you don't draft Sano, I draft Sano.
2: Yeah, I have. To, I I really want to get one of those three players, and Sano's just the cheapest. I I know he's not. I'm almost certain he's not going to give me a good batting average, but i he's obviously one of the best power hitters. So I uh, want to make sure I get him. I am the only person who likes Edwin Encarnacion. He has hit 32 or more home runs in eight straight seasons. He hit 34 home runs in 109 games last year. He was the third best thir- first baseman in points leagues on a per game basis. Um, I think he's a perfectly fine fallback option if you wait and wait at first base. I don't really I, like. I get it. I understand why people are hesitant to draft him, but it's like, I, it's going. It's just. It's gone too far. So I'm fine. I like Encarnacion. I, I think.
0: Yeah, I good. was. I was actually looking at that recently to just how few games he played and why he played so few games. He was done by like mid August, right?
2: Yeah, and then he and came and back. So for he the played two
0: thirds of a season and hit as many home runs as he hit. That's it's crazy uh, it it is um yeah I, I'm I'm wondering if I'm undervaluing he's 37 and my my impression is that he's not going to play as much this year but I don't even know where I'm getting that impression from
2: yeah I mean it would be like they'd have to put Grandall at DH or something like that and... yeah
0: which they talked about doing when they signed him because since they still have James McCann who was an all-star last year. And James McCann obviously isn't as good as Edwin Encarnacion as a hitter.
2: And when they signed Grandal, they didn't have Encarnacion, right?
0: I think that's right. Yes. So,
2: right. I I think I just read that, you know, he's going to be like anchored in the middle of their lineup. But that's not. That's more of like writer speculation. But I would expect Encarnacion to be in there most days. Uh, I'm drafting Chris Davis a lot. I guess I just like uh, (laughs) older sluggers who hit 240. I am... Which Chris Davis? Oh, Adam? sorry. Uh K riss Davis with
0: the A's. Uh, yes. The hype. The hype over c has slowed here. I wonder what his spring stats look like now.
2: Why do you think K-Riss Davis is is almost an afterthought? It's really weird. I mean, we're talking like one of the last picks of a of a standard draft here, like a twenty-one round it's draft. It's crazy. The same
1: reason Matt Carpenter's an afterthought.
2: No, it's Carpenter, it's been
1: a longer longer stretch no uh, you know what not not really i guess right season in 2018 and we've just like completely decided that he's done and maybe he is maybe chris davis is done uh but yeah it's i think there's more bounce back potential in both of them than their prices would indicate i think part of it's utility only
0: yeah that's that's a tough way to use that spot uh a guy who like he's only power
1: but you can get him on your bench.
2: Yeah, it's a yeah. tough way. Not when it's like the 18th round. I don't think it's that tough of a way to use that spot. It, because if the thing is, like, you draft Nelson Cruz or Jordan Alvarez, you're committed to starting them at, at utility. If you draft Chris Davis, you don't have to. I mean, you might have yeah. better options. You see what happens if he's if he's as good as he has been the previous like three seasons, basically, then. It, Totally fine starting him at utility.
1: Yeah, I think he was still on pace for 40 homers before the hip injury. And then after the hip injury, he was on like a an 18 homer pace or something. It's pretty yeah. clear what happened there.
0: That, to me it is. Cyrus Davis, by the way. You want to know how many times he's walked in 26 plate appearances? 25. Orioles Chris Davis. 25. Nine times.
2: Nine times.
0: Nine times in 26... So it's only three strikeouts. They're they're scared of him. They're pitching around him. He he doesn't get a chance to hit any more home runs because they keep walking him.
1: You don't want to... uh, You don't want to risk losing a Cactus League game by pitching to... (laughs) We all know that. (laughs) Uh, The worst hitter in baseball the past three years. Yeah, wow.
2: Uh, Ian Happ is another guy I keep drafting. Late, late. Maybe my last pick. Could be starting center fielder like do you think Ian Happ is going to be an everyday player for the Cubs Uh,
0: that's that's I feel like how he's being targeted in fantasy right now his he's he's got a lot of helium I don't really know I don't share in that enthusiasm I'll just say that I there would come a point where I'd be excited to take him but there's usually somebody else I'm more excited to take
2: I took him in round 23 out of 23 so in the head-to-head that's categories, it's fine.
0: Right? I, I just there's usually somebody else I'd rather take in round 23.
2: I suppose I could have taken Justin Upton. I mean that probably. I think I would have fair.
0: taken Justin Upton. Yeah,
2: yes. I think that's fair. It only took me 11 seconds to draft Ian Happ. I was very excited about that. I love that feature, by the way, when you look at the draft results. Uh, and I always and I often draft Jose Alvarado because I think he could be the Rays' closer or at least get like 15 saves and and be a great reliever.
0: I don't love that feature because it, with, with the last pick, it, it not only shows you how long it took to make that pick, but it, the cumulative, how long it took you to pick. And I'm always, always, always last.
2: You were last in this draft, but surprisingly, yes. I was second to last. I don't know why <laughs> that is. I thought I was pretty decisive. Yeah, Scott was uh, dead last. He took 10 minutes and 59 seconds with one minute on the clock for each pick in 23 rounds. I took I'm 9 minutes left. and 40 seconds. I don't, know,
0: I don't know what's wrong with me. Chris I do everything is, slowly. Uh, That's what's wrong with me. Chris was fifth slowest.
1: All right. Good Good job. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't
0: factor in all those resets while he was eating a sandwich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a turkey, a turkey burger.
0: burger. Burgers are not sandwiches. We all know that. Well, was it originally called a hamburger sandwich? It's a turkey burger sandwich. Right,
1: sandwich, piece
0: of sandwich, derivative. Chris, if you go to a sandwich Pop- shop,
2: you don't expect to get a burger.
0: Well, no, but these we're living in modern times, Adam. Maybe you did in nineteen thirty-four. Well, right, so that just helps whenever. my argument.
1: It just Nutri- helps my argument. Bar is a sandwich. A Nutri- <laughs>
0: I have a little historic perspective.
3: Lasagna.
1: Like the
0: earth didn't start Lasagna. moving with us.
3: Lasagna
1: is a sandwich. Uh, ravioli is definitely a sandwich.
2: Oh, I had ravioli last night. I guess I had a sandwich for dinner.
1: Um, a lot of sandwiches out there.
2: Uh, any spring training notes you guys want to talk about?
1: Uh, we talked about a lot of them yesterday. I'm aware. Did you talk about Dylan Bundy? We did not talk about Dylan Bundy because that is mostly just he's pitching better and <laughs> doesn't quite fit in the parameters of what I decided matters in spring training, Adam. Scott likes Dylan Bundy, though, which also matters in spring training. What Scott yeah,
0: Lyons. I can't help but be enthusiastic about his performance, probably because it, it fits the narrative I had already put out there of the change in scenery. And he's working with Jason Castro now, and I know he's had some interesting quotes about that, about how they're sequencing hitters. Like, it... I think Dylan Bundy has all the stuff to succeed, and he just needs a different game plan. So if if I, being careful not to read into that too much and overdraft him, I am excited about that. Um, but the name that's top of mind right now and the one who I moved up most aggressively most recently is Danny Jansen, who looks like he might now be a viable starting catcher even in a one-catcher league. He, obviously, he was a guy we were very excited about last year. Great minor league numbers. And, um, you know, makes a lot of contact for a catcher. Good plate discipline, all of that. But he just fell flat on his face. And he has talked about having a new hitting routine now, one he really seems to believe in. He, I've seen so many articles written about his new hitting routine. He's enthusiastic about Talking about it, how he didn't really have one before. He had a pregame routine for catching, but not really for hitting. Uh, he also changed his stance to, he, he realized he wasn't using his lower body enough. And, you know, he's up to, what, four or five home runs this spring? I think four.
1: And I um, do point out, you know, he was awful to start the season. Uh, had a 247 OPS on May 16th. Uh, homered on May 17th and 19th. And over his next 74 games, he had 11 more. So 13 homers in the final 76 games of the season. Um, he only hit 225 in that stretch, which is really bad, but it came with a 233 Babbitt. He still struck out at a below average rate, 18.4% of the time uh, after the final four, 76 games. I think he mostly, uh, I think he mostly showed that he can do it last season once he got going and so it's just for me a question of uh picking up where he left off and maybe having a little bit better luck.
2: Danny Jansen, all right, rank these 3. Danny Jansen, Yadier Molina, Francisco Mejía.
0: I put him just behind Mejía, but I'm I'm already I'm already not loving that. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to go according to my rankings and say Mejía, Jansen, Molina.
1: Jansen Mejia Molina.
0: We haven't done
2: our catcher preview in a long time, but Francisco Mejia, last sixty games after he got recalled, June eighteenth, day before my birthday, he had an eight forty four OPS. Uh he really broke out. We're just hoping for the for the playing time, hoping the breakout was legit, I guess. Uh, so you know, it's just like a lot of stuff that we've discussed. Guy like Francisco Mejia just never gets brought up again, so I want to make sure we did. All right, Chris. I'm sorry if I cut into your time to talk about the players that could get become elite. The floor is yours for the rest of the show.
1: For the rest of the show, you got geez, it. Gonna talk at all? Five minutes. Can I get some tea? That's <laughs> yes, Chris, uh, yes. I'm drinking tea. I'm, I'm working on a uh, on a series for CBSSports.com/slash/fantasy/slash/baseball. Uh, that's number one contenders, and I'm going through each position and trying to identify five guys being drafted outside of the top 12 or top 15 or an outfield top 25 who you know you can at least squint and see a cat a path for them to getting to the number one spot or more generally join the elite tier and i'll just give one for each position i guess um and so for catcher i really like danny jansen don't know if you guys have heard of him <laughs> don't know if we've talked about how much on this podcast but I think there is a ton of potential Wait, for Danny James. Why don't you
2: give give more give at least three and then we'll just let like Scott say agree or disagree.
1: Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's yeah, no, I get that. Danny, Danny James. Carson Kelly, who had a very similar season, uh, has a very similar pedigree, very similar skill set, doesn't strike out a lot, uh, could hit for some power, and that's enough at catcher to make you a potential elite option. And then I'm gonna go with Wilson Ramos, who I know Uh, Scott isn't quite as hyped about. We talked about his swing change yesterday, but for me, he's a guy who has always hit the ball hard. Last season, his swing just got out of whack. He still hit the ball really hard, but he hit it on the ground too much, had the lowest average launch angle in baseball, and uh, you know he was arguably the number one catcher on a per-game basis in 2018, so it's not that much of a stretch.
2: Who are you talking about here? Uh, Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos, okay, sorry.
0: What is there. that sound effect? Yeah, what I is that sound hearing? effect? It's, that that's, uh, it's, a, I, it's so familiar, like some kind just, of chat room sound. Slack. Yeah, I just oh, got it's
1: Slack. I'm Slack.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. You're slacking.
2: All right, so, uh, Scott, your thoughts on those catchers?
0: Danny Jansen is the one I can most get behind. Uh, I, did, I was pretty excited about Carson Kelly to start out, and I haven't moved him down, but... He was so bad against righties last year, and the guy he's sharing the catcher spot with is a left-handed hitter, Stephen Vogt. I just wonder if the playing time's going to be there for, for Carson Kelly.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Stephen Vogt has had a lot of trouble staying healthy in his career, but he's off to a really good start in spring training himself. So, you know, Stephen Vogt's someone in the two-catcher league I've targeted as my second catcher a few times. But, you know, what? Uh, this is another one where K- Kelly had a 520 OPS through the first 32 games of the season. Uh, from that point on, he hit 259 with an 890 OPS. He was really good for most of the season. Yeah. But yeah, I
0: mean, I certainly rank him higher than Jansen. I, I'm just wondering if I should, kind of, actually. I'm not sure about that.
1: All right, let's move to first base.
2: I think I'm ready for first base here. How's that
1: well, sound? I love first base, Adam, because my favorite... One well Miguel Sano, who's not first base eligible yet but will be by the first five games of the season whenever those games occur uh, and there are you know five or six guys in the majors who have the skills to hit 40 homers and he is absolutely one of them uh, I'm also going to throw out Luke Voigt if you look at what he's done since he got to the Yankees if you take out the games that he played after coming back from the uh, the IL last year because he was clearly playing through that sports hernia. If you take those games out and just look at what he's done with the Yankees otherwise, he's hit 297 with a 400 on base and a 547 slugging percentage, would have been the 11th best OPS in baseball among qualifiers. So if you believe that, you know, his struggles were largely the result of the injury, there's the potential that he could be a truly elite bat.
0: Uh, yeah, I, void Void is How freaky. much did I talk up Luke Void last year and everybody was like, No, Scott. Come well, on. Well, he wasn't what nearly as good. Mostly lived up to
1: the hype though. The thing I is, know. did he though,
2: because a lot of his OPS was OBP. He, I mean, he
1: what? He was before the injury, he was on pace, I believe, for it was 35 homers, 95 RBI, and 100 runs.
0: I, I think the slug was below 500.
1: It though. was, which
2: is really yeah. weird. He's, he, his slash line in 95 games before the injury, 278, 392, 493. Uh yeah. it's strange, but that's an 885 OPS. He was on pace. I had it for... Thirty-three home runs, ninety-four RBIs, one hundred and four runs.
0: It'll obviously take thirty-three home yeah, runs in one hundred and sixty-two he games. is more of a line drive hitter than a fly ball hitter than a pure power hitter, which you could look at in a, as a positive or a negative. I'm certainly pitching it as a positive last year, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what it means is there's the potential for a good batting average too. So I'm not. I agree he could be a stud again this year, and while I was pretty concerned about the playing time to start out, the injuries have made it so that he's obviously going to be the everyday player to begin the year, and then it's just a matter of how he performs as to whether or not that lasts.
2: Yeah, I think they have scrapped the Andujar at first base experiment, so it's probably playing just playing so much Ford. outfield, yeah. yeah, and I've
1: heard almost nothing about Mike Ford this spring.
2: Yeah, well, Lemayhew could always play first base if they if they need to because Gleyber Torres has apparently been horrible at shortstop. Uh, okay, so anything else at first base?
1: And, uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday a little bit, but Eric Hosmer with this swing change, the potential, it's a bit of a long shot. Um, but if he really is hitting the ball in the air more, he hits the ball really hard. There's a quote from him in an athletic story recently. I hit the ball really hard, I just always hit it on the ground this is the first time he's ever really expressed frustration with his approach. You know, anytime he's been asked about it in the past, he's really been like, well, I had 90 plus RBI last year. Why would I change anything? This is the first time where he's looked at it and said, you know, he did have 92 RBI last year, but the overall line just wasn't what he needs to do. And so he's making changes. We're seeing signs of it in spring training where he's hitting the ball in the air more. It, if he does that, It's a long shot, but there's no doubting that the skills are there for him to be an elite first baseman.
2: Okay, that's Eric Hosmer. So let's go to second base. Give us your top three that could be number one.
1: Yeah, Kevin Biggio. uh, I think his upside looks something like the good Matt Carpenter seasons plus 20 steals. So I think that kind of – I mean, it kind of speaks for itself, but you look at what he did last season, the batted ball profile – Uh, the walk profile, it all looked a lot like what we would usually see for Matt Carpenter. The batting average is really low, struck out too much. I think the case with him is he probably needs to be a bit more aggressive at the plate, a little like Johan Mancata was last season, where, you know, there's a difference between passivity and patience. And I think, you know, those two guys probably teeter towards the worse end. But, you know, if he does, steal 20 bases and if he does hit a little better it's really easy to see him in the elite tier at second base
2: who else Kevin Biggio and Gary Hampson
1: oh. uh I just what's that I, I ah uh. yes uh and so the case for him is basically I'm not sure if he's a good hitter but that doesn't really matter at course field if he gets an everyday role I think he can hit 290 I think he could hit 13 to 15 homers, and I think he could steal 40 bases playing half his games at Coors Field. And that's basically a poor man's Trey Turner. So, you know, again, another one that kind of goes without uh much explanation. If if that happens, and I think it's realistic, if he gets the role, you know, you're probably talking about a second-round pick next year, or at least a second-round finish.
2: Okay, that's, when, that's Garrett Hampson with Kevin Biggio, who's the last last one at second base
1: guy we haven't talked a lot about. I'm not sure if he's going to get that second-base job in Chicago, but Nick Madrigal. Uh, he's not just an outlier for today's professional baseball environment. Uh, his 2.8% strikeout rate last season would have been the third best in the majors since 1994. Uh, you're talking like peak Tony Gwynn-type contact numbers. Uh, 35 steals in just 110 games in his first full season of professional ball. It would be hard for him not to hit 300 with the strikeout rate that he has. If he hits 300 and steals 35 to 40 bases, you're probably looking at an elite second baseman.
2: Scott, Biggio, Hampson, Madrigal, can you see them having massive seasons?
0: I am not sure I agree with madrigal having a massive season i see him more as a useful player at a weak position who thrives at some of the scarcer categories but i just a total zero for power in today's environment uh i think would have a hard time measuring up with the the tip top players but
1: where did D Gordon used to go. I mean, he doesn't have the speed D Gordon does. Although he he's been at a 50 steal pace in the minors. It's just right.
0: That's that's the out. question too. How much? It's always a question of how much the player runs in the majors. Though I like that he's not a middle of the order bat. I think that improves his chances of continuing to run. Um, but no, I I I, I look. Kevin Vigio's is on my breakout list. I love the upside there. Hampson, I think, is on my sleepers list. I do like the upside there too. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying Nick Madrigal is like a bad option. I, I top 10 prospects to stash was an article that came out yesterday that I wrote, and I believe I had him fourth on that list. So I am not, I have some enthusiasm for him. It just doesn't sound like I agree in terms of the overall upside.
2: So. All right, we'll move on to third base here. Did want to mention D Gordon though is having a nice spring, stealing some bases.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure he's even in contention for an everyday role. It sounds like they just want him as a utility guy. But you know, Shed Long has struggled in spring, so you know maybe they reach a point where Shed Long I, D Gordon's a guy I've drafted uh, in a handful of leagues where I kind of just want to get someone who can steal some bases. Uh, I think I got him in the auction league last week, and I've taken him in a couple of my deeper leagues. So the, the, I'm hoping he steals thirty bases. Is basically it.
2: Dee Gordon, third base, Chris. We'll finish with this, and then we'll maybe we'll read some emails.
1: Miguel Sano, again. Yeah. I just I think the the upside there is so massive. But I'll give three players besides him. How about Hunter Dozier? Did you know he was in the 80th percentile in sprint speed uh, according to Statcast last year? He You know, led the American League at Steel and triples with 10. And he has talked about wanting to run more this season. And, you know, if he does that and hits like he did last season when, you know, he had 26 homers, hit 280. If he steals 10 to 12 bases in a Roto League, that doesn't look that dissimilar from what Marcus Simeon did last year. And he was a top 20 player. So. He has to sustain the games that he made, and he has to start running. But the fact that he's talking about it uh, certainly has the skill set to do it.
2: So, uh, you know, it's hard to know how much an injury impacts a season, but oblique injuries can really derail your season. And Hunter Dozier, 52 games before he missed three weeks with an oblique strain, he had a nine eighty-seven OPS. He batted three fourteen with 11 home runs, 12 doubles, 3 triples, Pretty very good plate discipline. Twenty six walks, forty one strikeouts, nine eighty seven OPS for Dozier in fifty two games. Then he goes on the IL. He misses three games or three weeks. He comes back eighty seven games. He still was okay. He had an eight oh four OPS. He batted two sixty with fifteen homers, seventeen doubles, and seven triples. But Hunter Dozier was one of the talks of fantasy baseball last year before he went on the IL. Should not be uh, overlooked, I guess. No,
1: who else? Miguel Andujar, you know, we've seen him be a top 40 player uh, and that was in his rookie season. Now there was a lot of skepticism about whether he would sustain that and, you know, given the price that he was going at this time last year, I was pretty much out on him. But now, you know, if he's back from, from the shoulder injury without issue, which it seems like he is so far in spring training, it does sound like at this point he's going to play every day, at least to start the season and then. You know, as long as he hits the way he can, I think we're going to see him in the lineup pretty much every day. Playing in a great lineup, great park. Uh, there's a lot to like about a guy who makes that much contact and does have some pop. I I wish Andujar ran a little. That would make it easier to make the case. But even so, works for me, Scott? and also Aust- Riley. Oh, I Aust- want to make uh, I want to make both of you guys happy. So Austin Wiley's another guy. We saw the good and the bad with him last year. You know, first 34 games, hit 12 home runs. I think he was, like, very close to or at the Major League record uh, for most home runs in X number of games. I don't know what the exact number was to start his season. But then he hit 164 with a 41.4% strikeout rate in his next 46 games. So we really saw both sides of him. But his strikeout rate was 25.8% in AAA. If he can get to that level... Uh, in the majors, you know, there's not. It's not impossible that he could have something like Pete Alonzo. Uh, we would expect from him this year. Uh, Riley had a top 25 barrel per batted ball rate last season. He had a harder hard hit, a higher hard hit rate than Pete Alonso last year. He needs to win the third base job out of spring training, but you know, I think that's certainly doable. And if he can just manage the contact, if he can get the contact rate down to just, or the strikeout rate down to just a bad level rather than, you know, dangerous like he was last year, he's got 40 homer potential.
2: Austin Riley for the brace. I got to say this, the Yankees have had the worst off season probably since, yeah, I don't know. Well, the the Astros have had the worst off season of any team, but in terms of injuries, like the Yankees are definitely the leaders there, but you guys really, I think you know how to pick me up when I'm feeling down because every day it's just Luke Voigt and Gio Urshela, Miguel I, and Duhar. Not even I, the good players on the Yankees. You guys love. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it. It's
1: not intentional. It, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think we've
0: talked about Jay Happ.
2: Enough. Jay
1: Happ was about the, to the say he's
0: made this spring.
1: Jay hap is. I I have Jay hap in
2: our in that roto league. He was one of the reserve round picks. I am comforted. I have a warmth in my heart that I have J hap right now. He's gonna be all right, you know.
1: I don't like that.
2: <laughs> uh, not a terrible late round flyer, J hap. Yeah. All right, and Jordan uh, Montgomery. Tomorrow, yeah. Who I think
1: Chris does like.
2: Who do we like better,
0: Montgomery or hap? Oh,
1: Montgomery for sure.
0: I think I rank hap higher.
1: Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> what a joke. What a joke. I remember how good he was two what? years ago. Scott. Jordan Montgomery would, would
0: would would kill for those numbers. He probably wouldn't actually I don't kill. Know I kill. was uh, trying yeah, to think of a geez. substitute, but it George's didn't come to me.
2: Don't you talk about the Yankees that way. Okay. Uh, that's it for today's show. Tomorrow, we'll look into Scott's sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Give you some ADP uh, tips as you get ready possibly for a weekend of fantasy baseball drafts. Tomorrow is also Friday the 13th, so perhaps we will talk about the scariest players in fantasy baseball, or maybe we will just rank everybody whose first name is Jason or last name is Voorhees. For Scott and Chris, I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow.
3: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know.